The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. taking care of you. Thank him for taking care of your family and protecting you during this pandemic. Just begin to thank him. There's so much to be thankful for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for loving us first while we were sinners, yet you loved us. And gave us your one and only begotten son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, someone shout, thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, Amen. Are you grateful this morning? Man, I'm grateful. If you don't have anything to be thankful for, just, just, just try this. Breathe in, breathe out. Did you do that comfortably? Guess what? Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are not convinced. Look on your feet. Do you have shoes? Thank you, Jesus. Even if you don't have uh, uh, shoes, you got feet. Thank you, Jesus. There's always something to be thankful for. We call it count your blessings one by one. Amen? Amen. Come on, man. I'm thankful for God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Lord.
So Dr. Beth Bailey is uh, Karim's mom and Mignonette's mom too. And uh, so she's uh, here doing some work. She's going to tell you all about it shortly. But here's the thing is that uh, when you guys saw me driving fancy cars in Los Angeles, it's hair cars. Okay, so don't persecute me. It was her fault. She, she, you know, she sends me pictures whenever I'm traveling. She says, man, son, you got a nice car this time. They're all nice, and she just, she's just uh, uh, a blessing to Chipo and I, and uh, we thank God you know, for you every single day. And so I'm going to let you greet I the people. I think there's a story behind you getting these cars. Didn't you plant a car? Something yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I planted a car. Yeah. Uh, uh, when was that? Four years ago? Yeah. The blessings just keep they coming. They keep coming. Yeah, praise well, God. Well, praise God. I'm glad to be here. I was so blessed to have my daughter be a part of your conference, Unstoppable. Was it Unstoppable, everyone? Design a lot. I got a chance to hear all the other speakers. Thank God. It's been, uh, we literally are so close to where your Mimi said this morning, she said, I'm so glad you didn't go to Eagle's Nest. I said, I'm not at Eagle's Nest. She said, no, but I'm so glad that we're so close to where your base is yeah. because uh, I don't know, I think Lisa was here in the first service. Yes, yeah, she was. We got a chance to provide transportation for the big thing they just did. We're bringing people from, I think, Alexandria. Alexander, now, you got to yeah. teach me how to say this. Deep Slute. Deep Slute. Deep Slute. Yeah, Deep and, Slute. Uh, and we're so glad about that. So we're bringing in teams from America uh, back to back and training them. In, in their admissions world, uh, African American and people of color make up less than 1% participants in missionary work. So we want to change that statistics mm. because three-fourths of the world is a world of color. And we want everyone to know, not just our people, but God doesn't love us also. God loves us, period. Yeah. So he has a plan for us all. And so here we chose to use our base. We don't have any idea what God said, South Africa, out of all the countries in the world. And it was so easy going in and out. But the moment we tried to put our foot down and make it our home, boy, what challenges began. Yeah. But we're right here by your Eagle Nest office. I do know that much. We're in four ways. And we're just so happy to link together, not just with what we were able to do with Lisa, yeah. but anything that you all are doing. And I don't know what God has planned. It fully in bringing us here. So we're, we're working in Dalmas in an area where we've built, I think, 30, Valence to help me, we're right at 30 houses that we built collectively yeah. and for people that are living in the squatter camps. And so where we're working, um, we have five buildings, one for the grannies, one for the boys, one for the girls, a community center. We're building a church, but then also there's another center that is there just to serve the community. And uh, as we're working there, the mayor ordered that the people that are on the land that they allotted for us to work on had to be, there were squatters, they had to leave. And I was like, we're not just gonna kick them off. We wanna move them with dignity. Yeah. And we wanna build them a house. And we wanna make them a part of the new community. Yeah. And so they weren't churchgoers or anything. And uh, one guy says, oh, I now know the God of you people. Come so on. we just thank God for Praise that. God. We didn't Amen. try to preach to them anything. Just simply wanted to show them the love of God. So that's why we're here training up teams from a base here and going out and just simply trying to make a difference. So thank you. Praise the Lord. Come on. Put your hands together. Amen. And you've been doing missions for 40? 40, 40, right, 40, 40 years now? <laughs> Don't give away his age. <laughs> so she's been doing missions for 40 years. Amen. And how many countries actually? 147 countries uh, of doing missions, so this is fun. Amen. Man, she's been to places, I tell her, I said, man, she's been to places on the continent where some, most of you won't survive. You won't make it out. It's, 
it's yeah in the deep 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 places on the continent in Congo where the guns are blazing and yeah you 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 have to have been called by God to do that kind of stuff amen I like Santa this is where God called me amen well why don't you hold your Bible lift it up real high and shout this is my Bible I believe what it says I am I can do what it says I can do I am a believer and not a doubter a doer not just a hearer. Today, Namtlanje, Vandach, Nas Chayir. I will learn from God's word, and my life will never be the same again because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so, uh, uh, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, we started a series talking about uh, the ministry gifts. And so, what we discovered uh, during this series was that uh, God is doing something. God is up to something. Uh, in Genesis chapter number 2, verse 1, Scripture tells us that after God had finished all of His work, He rested. So, in Genesis 2, verse 1, it tells us God finished all of His work and He rested. Uh, but if you fast forward to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1, it tells us that God is still working. There is still a work that God is doing. And so, the question becomes, which is which? Is God resting? Is He working? Uh, yep, we discovered in the same breath that uh, the work that He finished... Uh, in Genesis chapter number 2 was the work of creation. And the work that God is still doing in the earth realm is the work of restoration or reconciliation. Uh, that's the work that God is doing currently in the earth. He's bringing back His children to the fold. Amen? And here's the good news is that you and I get to be co-workers with Him. Amen. We get to participate. Uh, uh, you are God's feet, you are God's hands, and so when God wants to go somewhere, He's going to send you, amen? And uh, what the good news is, you know, after God has commissioned us and we became co-workers with Him, uh, He did not leave us without any tools to work with. So uh, He gave us tools, and these tools, we said, are called ministry gifts. And so we looked at the uh, graces, that's what we call them, the ministry gifts, uh, personality type ministry gifts in uh, Romans chapter number 12. Uh, and we looked at those uh, three weeks ago. If you are not here, you can check out the podcast. And last week, my wife did a stellar job. It was PhD level. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It was awesome. She talked about the nine gifts of the Spirit. Well, she actually uh, 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 rephrased it. The one gift we receive is the Holy Spirit, but it's the nine uh, manifestations of the ultimate gift, which is the Holy Spirit, and how we all can function uh, in them. And today, we're going to be looking at uh, the gifts in Ephesians chapter number 4. Uh, we're going to read from verse 7 to 11. And these are commonly known as the fivefold. Uh, they are also commonly known as the ministry offices. And so we're going to talk about what they are, and we're going to show you how you can function in them. I believe with all my heart uh, that there are many uh, here uh, this morning that have been called to function in one uh, or two uh, of these uh, gifts, and you need to know what they are, you need to know uh, how to function uh, in them, and so that's what we're going to be doing uh, this morning. So Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 7, this is what it says, it says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. 
Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. He's talking about Jesus when he was leading a parade from uh, paradise to heaven. And he gave gifts unto men. So it is Jesus who gave these gifts unto men. Uh, now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some, someone say he gave. Uh, so Jesus is the one who gave, or Jesus is the one that gets to uh, put these people uh, in these offices. Uh, these offices are not a career. Uh, it's a calling that Jesus uh, gave. And he gave some. Someone say some. So again, we discovered in Romans chapter number 12 that those personality gifts are for everybody uh, and also the manifestation of the uh, Holy Spirit in nine different ways, the nine gifts of the Spirit are for everybody. But it seems uh, here in verse 11 that these, he, he put some. And uh, uh, for, for the reasons known by him, he put some to be apostles, he put some to be prophets, he put some to be evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Did you see that? He said the reason why he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is for the perfecting or equipping. He didn't say it's for the exploitation. Did you see that? He said it's for the what? The equipping uh, the saints. In fact, the best way to function in these ministry gifts is to constantly and consistently work yourself out of a job. You know you're doing a good job in this fivefold if you're working yourself out of a job. In other words, if you're equipping the people uh, to never need you. Listen, if you have to call me to bless your dinner, <laughs> then I'm not doing a good job. If you have to call me because your child is sick at 10 p.m., or, or, or better yet, at 5 p.m., there's a guy who came. <laughs> he came in the first service. You wouldn't believe what he came wearing. He was wearing a Manchester United shirt. <laughs> today of all days. I told him, I said, brother, I think today you could have left that thing at all. Because they lost yesterday. You know, the ladies don't know. Oh, they lost bad yesterday. Let me tell you all about it. And then they got a penalty, which was not a penalty. And the guy skied it. Okay, back to exhibit A. I just had to put that in there. Man, I had a good day yesterday. Ooh. You can come to us now. And so he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors and teachers, so that we can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so the reason he gave the fivefold is so that we can do the work, because there is work that needs to be done. And the work that needs to be done is to bring back people to the fold. God has an open door, and he wants the nations to hear the gospel so that they can be reconciled with him. So these are not, you know, ministry titles. As we are going through this, uh, 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 you know, teaching, uh, some of you are going to be tempted to look at this as a catalog, you know, like a menu, like, mm, I think, mm, I think for me, <laughs> I'm going to go with the apostle. No, no, no. These are not, you know, catalogs or, you know, job titles on the menu. No, there's work that needs to be done. 
This is work. In fact, real ministry is spelled work. God is up to something and is looking for co-workers, co-laborers, so that he can get that job done. You know, the, the best way to remember this, well, at least this is what I learned. It's a little cheesy, but, you know, they call it the fivefold, the hand of God, and uh, the, the big thumb, you know, represent the apostle, you know, the guy who holds everything together, you know, and uh, the... the the pointing thumb is the prophet. You know, he gets to point the direction. And the one that reaches further is the evangelist, right? And then the ring finger is the pastor because he's married to the people. And then the teacher gets into the nitty-gritties of the word, right? And so that's, that's, that's the best way I can think of <laughs> to get you to remember them, okay? So we're going to look at uh, all four or five of them. And then we will get into how uh, you can, you know, successfully function in... Uh, one or, or more of these offices that God may have called you. I mean, I believe God has called apostles. Uh, it may not be here. It may be someone watching online. It may be some, man, I believe someone is going to watch this teaching and be unleashed into their ministry that God has called them. I believe God has called some to be prophets. I believe that he has called some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And, and my job is to make sure that it, it, you, know, it, you, you don't sabotage your calling primarily. Number two, my job is to make sure that uh, it comes to fruition. Jesus told us, he said, many are called, so just because you have a calling doesn't mean much if it doesn't come to fruition. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. In fact, he, he said something. He said, man, we need to pray so that God can find more laborers because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few because he's looking for a certain kind of laborer, and we're going to go into scripture and find out what kind of uh, laborer that is. But if you look at the office of the apostle, uh, an apostle, if you read in uh, 1 Corinthians t 3, verse 10, he says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, this is the apostle Paul, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So the apostle, one of his uh, 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 responsibilities is to lay down a foundation. It is to uh, build. It is to create a track, uh, to break new territory, and so on and so forth. If you read in Ephesians 2.20, uh, it talks about the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. So four things uh, that marks an apostle. Number one, they lay a spiritual foundation. And, uh, you know, I may, I may add, uh, it's better to call yourself one having looked back retrospectively rather than while you're still on the starting line looking forward. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? When, when the Apostle Paul was asked why he thought he was an apostle, he said, oh, no, look at you, the church at Corinth. You are my mark. You are my certificate of my apostleship. He didn't say, you know, I, I was made an apostle on my way to Damascus and I had an amazing, you know, experience there. He didn't point to the experience. He pointed to the fruit. So you may get a prophetic word and someone may say, man, God has called you an apostle. Uh, uh, you know, just hush. <laughs> Chill out. Don't, don't, you know, make business cards that say apostle or... <laughs> Just chill out, do the work, and retrospectively, like the Apostle Paul, you'll be able to say, hey, 
Look at all this fruit. This is the mark of my apostleship. Can I get an amen? And so they lay a spiritual foundation, and usually it includes all the other ministry gifts. That's number two. Number three, they establish churches. Ah, man, I bump into 18-year-old apostles who haven't established nothing. It's, it's the, they, they established a Facebook page. That's what they did. Man, I said you must look retrospectively after the work has been done. Number four, they are called to minister to a target group. For the Apostle Paul, it was to the Gentiles so that he could bring them back into the fold. Amen? And number two, we're going to look at the prophet. The prophet or the ministry of the prophet. And by the way, this office has little to do with prophesying. Very little. Remember what I said when we started this series? I said, hey, forget everything you've witnessed out there. Just We're going to zero in on what these things are and what the scripture has to say about these things. Did you hear what I said? I said the ministry of a prophet, the office of a prophet, has little to do with prophesying. It's got little to do with foretelling uh, future events. It's got everything to do with laying a track, a foundation for the body of Christ to run on. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 20. In fact, some of the uh, 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 prominent prophets in the word of God never foretold uh, a single future. They never prophesied once. Some of you don't believe me. Let's go to Genesis 20, verse 7. Remember, everybody can prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 23 to 24 says, If therefore the whole church become together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and they come in those that are unlearned and unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? So he's saying if someone comes in and we're all praying in tongues, they're going to think we are crazy. But look at the flip side, verse 24. But if all, someone say all. He says, but if all prophesy, the reason he could say that is because all can prophesy. He says, but if all prophesy, and they come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, and he is judged of all. So just because you can prophesy does not mean God has called you into the office of a prophet. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 20, verse 7. There are several prophets in the Bible who never predicted the future once, but God called them into the office of a prophet so they could lay a track for the body of Christ uh, to run on. I was uh, having lunch with uh, Lawson Perdue and Ashley Teradez and Carly. Uh, we were in Colorado, uh, Denver, and uh, Lawson, we were talking about this same thing, and Lawson began to tell us that uh, Andrew Womack, you know, some of you may know Andrew, he said, Andrew is a prophet. And so, I, I, you know, I was confused. I said, how can Andrew be a prophet? I've never seen him prophesy. And he explained this verse to me the way that I'm explaining it to you now, that it's got nothing to do with foretelling the future. It's got everything to do with laying a track. And so what Andrew did was he came into the body of Christ with the, with the message of grace and faith that almost corrected the compass because those who were on the grace extremity were going right into legalism. It was a trap. And those who were on the uh, uh, faith extremity, they were going into legalism. Those on the grace extremity were going into lasciviousness. I mean, you had people quitting their jobs. They were just becoming lazy on the other extreme and becoming undisciplined. And those on the faith extreme. And so God gave this prophet, Andrew, to come with a message. of That's really his message. 
passage, grace and faith, and to lay the track to see how the two work together, living in the balance of grace and faith. And God called him into the office of a prophet to point uh, us in that direction. And if you read in Genesis 20, uh, verse uh, 7, uh, here it's talking about Abraham, who was a prophet. And, uh, you know, remember the story when Abraham came in to, uh, 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 you know, he met Abimelech, who was the king of the land. And when he saw Abimelech, you know, because he wanted to be peaceful, he had a pretty wife, he knew the king was going to want his wife, he said, hey, this is my sister. And so the king was fixing to marry uh, Sarah the next day. So when he went to sleep, the Lord visited uh, Abimelech, and this is what he said to him in verse 7. He says, now therefore restore the man, Abraham, his wife, for he is a prophet. Did you see that? Did you all see that? He says, he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if you restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Abraham was a prophet, never predicted the future once. Because it's got nothing to do with predicting the future. Can I get an amen? amen. And most Old Testament prophets actually preached repentance more than they predicted the future. Because the ultimate goal of prophecy, if you're writing down notes, the ultimate goal of prophecy is to change the present. It is not just to be a fortune teller (laughs) and predict the future. Amen? A story is told of Jonah. And so Jonah was a prophet called by God. And so in Jonah chapter number one, the Lord came, spoke to Jonah. He says, I have an assignment for you. I want you to go and preach to the uh, uh, people at uh, Nineveh. You know, I want you to go preach to them so that they can, you know, uh, repent. And so Jonah didn't like the people from Nineveh very much. He said, Lord, I'd rather you burn them alive. I'm not going to go preach uh, to them. And so he took off on a journey. He's supposed to go to Nineveh. He decided he was going to go to Tashik. You remember the story? And there was a storm on the ship, and then they threw him off. And God had a big whale waiting for him, a fish, swallowed him for three days and three nights, you know, pointing to how Jesus was going to be in the underworld for three days and, and three nights and how he defeated death. And then it spit him in Nineveh. And so Jonah went in the streets of Nineveh prophesying. This was his sermon. Yet in 40 days and 40 nights shall Nineveh be destroyed. Nineveh be destroyed. That was his sermon. He kept preaching that. And the people heard it. And because it was a God assignment, there was an anointing on that boring sermon. But the people, <laughs> but the people responded. See, because it's not in your technical ability with words. It's always in the anointing that God puts on the message that he has called you to preach. And so he's preaching this boring sermon. Yet in 40 days and 40 nights shall Nineveh be destroyed and he's prophesying, right? And then the people heard it and they repented in sackcloth and ashes and went on a fast. The king heard it, repented in, in sackcloth and ashes. And the Lord didn't destroy Nineveh in 40 days and 40 nights. And chapter number 4 of Jonah says, and Jonah was displeased with the Lord. Because two things. Number one, you saved these people. Number two, he was displeased because his prophetic word didn't come to pass. So what are the people going to say on Facebook? He didn't realize that the goal of prophecy is not just to say something that is accurate in the future. The goal of prophecy is to change the behavior today. 
Man, when you start to understand it from this perspective, it takes away all the immaturity we see in the body of Christ. You know, when, when some major thing happens, you know, you have prophets going into archives looking for a sermon like the, man, you listen to that thing and they say, yeah, I'm the first one who said it. And then you listen to that thing, man, you see no connection. You're like, man, man, I can't seem to see where you prophesied that, you know, this is the this thing was going to happen. And all they're trying to do is to draw attention and get approval from men for being the one who prophesied it first because they don't realize the goal is to bring people to Christ, not to be the, one, the, the kid on the block. Yeah, I'm the one who saw it first. Yeah. That's not the goal. Yeah. The goal of these fivefold ministry gifts is not to shine a light on us. It is to shine a light on Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we see in Scripture that the ministry uh, or the office of a prophet is not just limited to uh, foretelling the future. In fact, in the New Covenant, it takes on a completely different uh, perspective, this office, because you and I, in the Old Testament, I mean, everybody had to go consult the prophets all the time. You want to get married? You go and see the prophet. You want to buy a car? You go and see the prophet. You want to eat lunch? You go and see the prophet. You know why? Because the Old Testament people were dead spiritually. They, were not, they didn't have recreated spirits. And better yet, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. Now for you and I, we have a written word of God. The written word. The sure word of prophecy. And we also have the Holy Spirit better known as the inner witness he lives on the inside of us and he gave us an assurance he says i'll never leave you nor forsake you so i don't have to consult a prophet to find out who i should marry i can consult the inner me hallelujah man you go into some of these places and 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 and, uh you know you can't even buy a car until the prophet says something and then they'll prophesy the color of the car. You can't even, you can't even marry the person that you really like. Because they, they tried it with me. Man, I've been in church 22 years now. And man, they'll come and prophesy spouses to you. If, you're not, if you don't know the word, people, people will, will literally remote control your life through the so-called. In fact, some of it is not even prophecy. It's just being, being nosy. That's what it is. You know, people will come to you and say, I sense you and your wife are not getting along. I'm like, yeah, everyone else fights. You know, I'm, we're fighting, yeah. We're fighting, but we're going to get it. Man, you're just, you're just, that, just being nosy. That's not prophecy. That's not what we're talking about. And I have to be strong because some of you are going to have these things happen to you. People will try and remote control. In fact, there was one guy who called me. And he said, uh, I had a dream, and uh, you had died. And I said to him, man, that couldn't be further from the truth. He said, why? I said, because I have a verse that says, from God, directly from heaven, he says, with long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. So if I'm to choose between what God said and what you are saying, I think you are wrong. Because after he said that, this, I told my wife, after he said that, he said, so what we need to do is to put together a group of intercessors and we're going to be interceding for you. Every I said, bro, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm good. You know why? Because you and I in the New Testament, 
We have the word. In fact, it's a sign of immaturity when all you're looking for is a word. There are Christians who are just, do you have a word for me? No, do you have a word for me? Can I get a word? No, man, you have 66 books of word. Just go and pick one and prophesy to yourself. And if you want to add the extra, pick the one you like, go and get some lemons, look yourself in the mirror, do the lemon face and say, you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I sense. <laughs> Amen. And so this is not to play down the gift of prophesying. We were taught last week that is there to comfort it's there to exhort and it's there to encourage. It is not there to control. God has given you free will and he's not going to override your free will. Man, start developing an intimacy with the Holy Spirit and he will begin to show you what you should do every single day. You do not need, like the Old Testament saints, you don't need to be visiting a prophet every single week to try and get a direction concerning your life. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and a voice of a stranger they will not follow. And you are his sheep and you can hear his voice. And start living your... Man, if you don't do what I'm telling you right now, you're going to be one of the ones that are going to be exploited. Yeah. If you can't, in this life, in the last days, if you don't learn how to hear the voice of God for yourself, you're going to be in trouble. Amen? Yeah. And so we see here that the office of a prophet is not to foretell the future. It is to foretell, which is to publish and to teach, especially for you and I in the New Testament. The third one is the evangelist. The evangelist, uh, this word occurs uh, three times in the New Testament. In Acts 21, verse 8, Ephesians 4, 11, we read that. 2 Timothy 4, 5. It's a transliteration of the Greek word, eungalistes. The compound word, E-U, means well. And the rest of the word is angelos, or, or, which means a messenger, an angel, uh, a messenger of good news. That's what it means. And uh, evangelists minister primarily to the lost. Amen? And these are important. This is a group uh, uh, that's very important to the Lord because he uses them to bring individuals into the kingdom of God. So a person who's been called to be a, an evangelist, uh, their focus really, this, this fivefold is amazing how God put, put it together. This is like, you know, the A-team. You know, Hannibal Smith with his cigar. Uh, Mr. Face. Mr. T. When we were young, you know, we would play A-team and I was always Mr. T. You gotta be Mr. T. B.A. Barakas. Who was the other one? Uh... Murdoch. He was the funny one, right? <laughs> yeah. This is the A-team. They get to work together. But here's what's interesting is that if you meet someone who's got this office on their lives, all they're talking about is souls. And if you try to do something else and you try to bring another perspective of ministry, they say, ah, if we're not reaching souls, we're not doing anything. The church has lost its passion for souls. We must go for souls. And then over there, the teacher is saying, man, you can't just you know, save them and not 
train them to, and bring them to maturity. So it's got to be teamwork, right? The evangelist gives birth to them, but someone has to nurse them and, you know, bring them up to maturity. So it's teamwork. The teacher is saying, man, you're doing too much. You're bringing too many without raising them up. The evangelist is saying, you've lost your passion for souls. <laughs> but what they need to do is to realize God has called them both to work together. The evangelist comes and he puts the passion in people's hearts and they get fired up. They come into the kingdom. The pastor gets to shepherd them and the teacher gets to explain all these things so that they can grow into their full stature, into uh, a full maturity. Amen. And so the last one is the pastors and teachers. And I like to put it together because I believe the pastor should teach so that they can shepherd and, and you know, feed the sheep and uh, uh, bring them into uh, full maturity. If you go to Jeremiah, chapter number 3 verse 15 Jeremiah depending on where you're from Jeremiah chapter number 3 verse 15 can I read it in the King James please Jeremiah chapter number 3 verse 15 this is what it says he said I will give you what this is God speaking, and he says, I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Did you see that? Yeah. That's the job description. The first thing we see here is that God is the one that gives uh, this ministry office of a pastor. And when he gives this office, he gives it so that they may feed you with knowledge and with understanding. That's the job of a pastor. I want you to notice there is nothing in there about, you know, kissing babies at the end of the service. Did you see that? There's nothing in there about coming to your baby shower. Did you see that? There's nothing in there about any of that. That we want, the, we want the man to be doing, you know, stuff that God hasn't even called him to do. He said, hey, all you have to do is to feed them with knowledge and with understanding. Amen. And when you do that, that's the job of a pastor. Amen. Now, the question becomes, how do you step into your calling? How do you step into your calling? That's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, I like the how. You know, it's, 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 it's no use uh, for me to, to just know this glamorous picture and not know the how. So we want to look at the how. How, let's, you know, God has called you to be an apostle, to be a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. How do you then step into the fullness of what God has called you to do? That's what we're going to look at. So quickly, go to Romans chapter number 1, verse 1. Romans chapter number 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, Called, someone say called. Come on, say it like you're at breakfast. He says called to be an apostle. So he wasn't hired to be an apostle by the church board. He was called. So there is a calling, right? We're going to put it over here. There's a calling. And so he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And separated unto the gospel. So this is where the calling happened. And then this is where the separation happened. 
And when you are separated, God is now releasing you into what he has called you uh, to do. And so uh, uh, we see here these two words. I'm going to uh, 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 describe them for you, give you some, uh, some, some, some definitions here. The word uh, calling means the assignment that God has for your life. It is simply the will of God for your life, the work God wants you to accomplish during your time on the earth. So every single one of us, we have a work that God has uh, called us to. Every single one of us, God has put a calling. It may be one of the fivefold. It may be outside of the fivefold, but there is a work. God uh, hasn't created someone to just be, you know, occupy space. He has put a calling on every single one of us. Amen? Separation. The word to separate here is the Greek word aphorao, which means to set apart by boundaries, uh, to sever. It is a dual meaning of separating from something while separating them to something. So this is the moment of separation. This is the moment of being uh, unleashed and released. I think it was Pastor Henry, he posted something about don't step into something uh, that God hasn't given uh, a providence for. That was the word he used. And I had to Google that word. I was like, providence? And I had to look it up. Simply what it means is don't step into something that God hasn't put his anointing on. Because then it's on you. Amen? And so, the date of calling and separation is always got time between the two. And the reason is because, number one, God doesn't put novices in a position of leadership. So, when you receive your call, I received my calling way back in 2002. Man, I feel sorry for the people that I was preaching to. Man, he was bad. <laughs> when I look back, he was bad. I was the youth pastor, and uh, man, he was terrible. And they put up with me. God bless their heart. <laughs> he was that bad. And, and, and that, was, that was the calling. It would have been foolish for me to now launch out a full-on ministry right here. It would have caused problems. Way back in the 90s, you know, I'm from the 90s. I used to listen to hip-hop a lot. And uh, way back from the 90s, we had a rapper, you know, uh, that decided they were going to become a Christian. And they were right here on the calling, on the novice. The God's calling was on their lives to do something. But because the church doesn't understand these simple things, these simple principles we're talking about, they threw him right into leadership. Straight from the streets, because he had a little bit of clout, he had a little bit of following, so they thought Jesus uh, could, you know, use some of that celebrity status. And so they threw him, and scripture tells us that when you do that, it will actually trip them up in pride. And it actually did, and they ended up going back into the world and doing another album with all the, you know, naked women, and it was, you know, it was crazy, you know, just, uh, and we could have avoided that by understanding what I'm getting ready to teach you now. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter number 9, he has his Damascus experience where the light of God shines on him. Who are you, Lord? He's blinded by the light. It's me, Jesus, the Christ, whom you persecute, and he has a glorious experience, and he's told to go into the city, and he's going to meet 
Ananias, who's going to pray for him and tell him uh, all about his calling. So he goes into the city and he meets Ananias. And Ananias lays his hands on him, pray for him, and scales fell off his eyes. And he began to tell him, the Lord has called you to do this work. And after you told the Apostle Paul that the work has called you to do this work, the Lord has called you to do this work, the Apostle Paul went into Arabia, into the desert, uh, for a time that's estimated to be between 3 and 14 years. Spending time with the Lord through the process of preparation. And so when the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter number 1 verse 1, Jesus Christ who has called me and who has separated me, there is time in between. Let me give you another one. Joseph, he has a dream. He sees a dream and he goes and he shares it with his brothers. It's a calling that God gave to Joseph. And between the time of the calling and the time that Joseph actually witnessed that dream, it's estimated to be over 29 years. And here's the deal is that at one point, Joseph was so positioned to make that dream come to pass in the natural. When he was finally promoted from you know, prison to the palace and he was second in charge, he could have said to Pharaoh, Hey, Pharaoh, can I get 50 soldiers? I just need to go back to the house that I grew up. I have a small you know, a job that I need to do. And he could have gone with 50 soldiers, you know, surround that house, and then get on the microphone and say, Everybody out! And then he could have said, Guys, I just want to know one thing. Who is not bowing? He could have made it happen, but he still waited 12 years for God to do it because when God does it, it's got his anointing on it, it's got his providence on it, it becomes easy. He said, my yoke is easy. Man, if you're working extra hard and you have to take 16 offerings on one Sunday... Just to keep the work going, God may not be in it. Now, I'm just saying, you may need to think about it. Because if God sends you to the brook, He's already got the ravens laying up food for you. Where there is a vision from God, He also puts His pro vision. Hallelujah. And so, this time is very important. It's the same thing that happened to Elisha, right? Elisha, he meets Elijah over here, calling. He's told, this is your calling. He leaves everything he's doing, and he spends some time with Elijah, which is estimated to be over 14, 15 years while he was with Elijah. And the moment of separation happens when Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. It's the same thing that's happening right here at Faith Your Church. We got a calling from the Lord that we're going to plant t- 10 churches in 10 cities. But it would be foolish for us to try and do it today. <laughs> Number one, we may not be ready. Number two, we may send someone who's not ready. Number three, it may not be an open door that the Lord has opened. You always have to wait for God to open that door before you step in. Otherwise, you're going to start kicking down doors. And if you kick them down, you have to sustain it in the natural. Amen? And so what do you do from the moment of calling to separation? I'm going to give you four things and we'll be out of here. Is that all right? So the first thing you do is, number one, you must practice faithfulness. But before we even do that, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter number 3. I have another, you know, a, a little uh, a detour there. 1 Timothy chapter number 3 verse 1. 
uh, and I say this in the first service, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, separation is a mark of maturity. This is the point where God knows he can trust us to handle the tasks associated with the call. That's the point of separation will never come if God's prerequisites are not met. It can be forfeited by a lack of focus. It can be forfeited by apathy. It can be forfeited by sin in a minister's life. Now, I am not talking about going to heaven. Going to heaven is by grace. But leadership in the kingdom of God is by conditions. God is not just going to have someone come from Mashlatini and want to lead in the church. He has got a standard. And sometimes grace people don't want to hear that. In 1 Timothy 3 verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. Which means, you know, you got your taxes right. Zero amen in the building. <laughs> Number two, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Someone say one. 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 Did y'all hear that? So he's laying out conditions. So if you are a player, You will go to heaven. But God is not going to put a responsibility on you to lead others. Are you all seeing that? God is a standard. He said you must be uh, temperate. You're not, you don't have a short fuse. You're not on the edge. Amen? You know, there are some people who are always on the edge. Don't push me. Because I'm close to the. There are people who are always on the edge. I'm trying. <laughs> Man, I'm even trying not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes that makes me wonder why I keep on going under. Why I keep on going under. Broken glass everywhere. Okay, all right, let's move on. The young people don't know what we're talking about. They're like, what? Is that a song? You know that? <laughs> this is what else he says temperate right that means you, you're not on the edge that means you don't have a short fuse okay you, you, you uh, sober minded of good behavior hospitable able to teach not given to wine not violent not greedy for money so you get into ministry no, not for what you can get out of it but for what you can give into it Amen. Man, these are some of the things that, you know, when you hang around older ministers, they begin to teach you. Uh, uh, I think it was Greg Moore. He has this thing called the three Gs that he teaches the, uh, who was that? It's Dwayne Sheriff. Yeah, he's got this thing called the three G uh, that he teaches, you know, young ministers. He says you must watch out for the first G is gold, which is money. He says you must watch out how your relationship with money must be in check. Amen. And the second G is, is girls or guys. Yeah, that's a good one. Girls or guys. Yeah, I never thought of that. that, that that's, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, it, it could be a, a woman who's called to be a bishop, right? She must look out for, for guys. And then the third one? The third one is glory, fame, celebrity status. He says, man, you watch out for those three. And you don't allow them to take root in your heart. You are on your way somewhere. 
Amen? Man, when you hang around these older ministers, they begin to pour wisdom in you. Uh, and it's just awesome because they've run the race. They've run it as a marathon. Man, whenever you are around people who have been there and they've done that, the best thing you can do for yourself is to listen. Don't talk too much. When someone is, you know, been there and they've done this thing for as long as Dr. Pat has done it, for, man, I sit and listen because it's a long time. Amen? I said amen. He says uh, you must be, not be greedy for money. You must be gentle. You, not, you must not be quarrelsome. On Facebook. You must not be uh, covetous. You know, what's covetous? It's a strong desire, uh, a greed for other people's things. If you, if you haven't matured enough to be able to celebrate someone else's new car, bishopry may be out of the question. Okay, all right. See, it's getting quiet. You still have any amens, anybody? <laughs> you know, just check your wallet. <laughs> what else? What else does it say? Uh, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. So when he says here rules, he's not talking about autocratic leadership. He's talking about one who manages his house well. He's not saying one who rules as in Robert Mugabe ruling. No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about those who know how to manage their household. Can I get an amen? amen. What else does he say? Uh, if a man does not know how to rule his house, how will you take care of the church of God? Number six, verse six. You must not be a novice. You must not be a, 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 a new Christian, right? Lest being puffed up with pride, you fall into the same condemnation uh, as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. The unbelievers must speak well of them, that they are kind, they, are not a, they don't bash people, they don't you know, do all these things, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So we see here, through reading this scripture, that leadership in the kingdom of God is conditional. Going to heaven is unconditional. God's love for you is unconditional, but when it comes to lead, have you ever met a minister who's got so much potential, they're going somewhere, and they get tripped up by one of these? And it breaks your heart because you know in your heart that they were going somewhere. They just didn't stick with the program. They violated one of the conditions, and because of that, God has taken his influence from them. And he has given it to someone else. So leadership in the kingdom uh, is, is conditional. Amen? amen? I said amen. And so how do you move from uh, the calling uh, to, to separation here? If you're writing down notes, write this down. Number one, practice faithfulness. A lot of people fail the test of faithfulness because it's a marathon. It's not a hundred meter dash. It's the long haul. Matthew 25, verse 23, he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You do not need to be where success is located for you to be successful. God will bring success to you if you are faithful. So quit chasing people around. Amen? You know, quit sucking up to people and just start practicing faithfulness and promotion will come to you. Because here's the truth. If the Lord does not promote you, you are not promoted. 
Amen. So just wait on Him to promote you, then you are promoted. And God wants to promote you. Amen. I said amen. And here's someone else talking about long-term faithfulness. You will very likely overestimate what you can do in the short run, and you will very likely underestimate what you will achieve through a long-term life of faithfulness. Most people overestimate what they can do in 100 meters. Overestimate. They say, man, we're going to do this thing. We're gonna... Man, when I was young in the Lord, man, I'll tell you, 2002, man, we're going to have a worldwide uh, ministry. We're going to be reaching people. Man, we're going to be flying. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to do it next week. <laughs> you always overestimate what you can do in the short term. But you always underestimate what you can do long term of faithfulness. Just get in the game and get in it for the long haul. Amen? Amen. Don't have an expiry date for your faithfulness. That's what scripture tells us. It says, don't grow weary in well-doing. For you will reap in due season if you faint not. Getting weary... In due season meant, you know, you had an expiry date on your faith. I can only be faithful until December. <laughs> if my boss doesn't promote me, I'm out. By the way, these principles will work for you in the marketplace as well. Amen. Amen. Man, practice faithfulness and promotion will find you. Number two, pray for God to open doors. Don't try to kick doors down. Colossians 4, 2 to 3, he says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open uh, to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, and that I may partake, I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So the Apostle Paul is saying, when it comes to open doors, please pray for us that God may open this door. So God has called Faith Your Church to plant 10 churches in 10 cities. How do we know it's time for us to actually do it? A door will open here. Three, four, five families like we did in Durban will get together and say, hey, we're ready. And then God will raise a pastor amongst us and we'll be left with no choice but to step into that open door. And here's another sign that you know it's really the Lord is that as you step in, miracles begin to happen. Because God always sends his signs and wonders to bake up the preaching of the word. And so when we went to Durban, there was a couple there who couldn't have, uh, who couldn't conceive that, you know, they were stuck for like 12 years, I think. And then we went there in the same two, three months that the church was planted, boom, they got pregnant. And they're actually holding their baby as we speak today. And in fact, oh, it's a, oh yeah, she's quite big now, maybe three years. And uh, actually, you know, Pastor Dance called me and said they had another testimony uh, uh, two weeks ago of someone who... Uh, uh, conceived, who we've been waiting 10 years as well. Man, God will begin to put his super on your natural efforts and it becomes flawless. I mean, it's just awesome when the Lord begins to work on a vision that he has commissioned uh, for us to step into. Right here in this church, we've seen people, you know, get pregnant and have babies. We've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen people, I mean, we've seen all kinds of things happen. You know why? Because God, when, he, when you get here and God releases you, he's already put his anointing on that work. And it will work because God is the one working it. 
Can I get an amen? amen? And so that's number two. Number two B, don't be selective about the doors when God begins to open these doors. You know, a lot of church folk are waiting for the big one. And man, you'll be waiting a long time. Whatever he opens, just step into it. If he opens for you to fix the chairs, just step into that door. If he opens for you to be uh, a clerk at work, just step into that door. If he opens uh, uh, the door for you to be a driver, step into that door and be faithful where he... When I uh, uh, knew 2002 that the Lord had called me into ministry, uh, I, you know, I went to university and I studied and I did a degree that had nothing to do with ministry and I started working and God would open a door for me to start working in the marketplace. And so I went and I worked at my first job in sales. And after that, I went into key accounts management. And after that, I went into business development. And it was at the business development stage that I met my wife. And uh, so I, I, I told her, uh, you know, I think about three months into the relationship that, you know, uh, uh, the Lord has called me into ministry. And sometime in the future, you know, I may be stepping into ministry. And she almost dumped me for that. True story. She was like, man, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I said, why not? She said, it's a big responsibility. And, and, and I was even drawn to her more. Because before that, all the Pentecostal girls, man, they were, they were like coming after me. For, for the first time, I found someone that had some sense. And knew that it's not a celebrity thing, it's a responsibility. And she said, because of that, uh, uh, nobody's quitting their job. Yeah. And I said, okay. <laughs> What's happening? She said, because I don't want them church folk to think that they're the ones looking after us. <laughs> you must understand, she's an investment banker. She got a master's degree in math and finance, so she's an A-lister. You know, she goes at it. And at the time, I was in business development. You know, I was raising up the ranks, and, you know, she was raising up the ranks in banking, and we were doing well financially. I mean, we are thriving. And she said, anyway, before you step in full-time, just make sure you get us a house. Because I don't want them church folk to think that they're the ones, you know, getting us these things. And so I had to wait another five years. Man, this will preach. This will preach to some young man watching me right now who's feeling the goosebump to step into the uh, evangelistic world. Man, just, just chill out. And do things right. And when the Lord ultimately releases you, he will release you into opportunity. Amen. amen. I said amen. And so don't kick down doors. Don't try to do it. Just step in to any door that the Lord opens for you. Number three. We're gonna, we got two more and we'll be out of here. Number three, serve and give like your life depends on it. Because it does. Did you hear what I said? While you're here, you step your, into your calling. Serve and give like your life depends on it because it does. Your life depends. Don't ever come into ministry for what you can take from it. Always step into ministry for what you can give into it. The first three or four years of uh, this ministry, my wife and I carried the bulk of the load. Because yeah. our heart is to always give into what God is doing rather than to try and take from what God uh, is doing. Amen? You have to have a heart of service. Man, let me, give you, let, me, let me give you advice, those of you. What I'm giving you, man, this stuff here, I only share with these, 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 these people in the front row here. Uh, the people that I, uh, you know, that, that, that I know will, not, will know that I mean well. Because these are some strong words. These, these guys here will tell you when, I'm, when we meet at the office, these are the things I tell them. And, and I'm strong with them. 
Because I'm trying to uh, train them to be leaders, world changers that will change the world. But today it's for everybody. And it's going to sound strong. Listen to me, child of God. When you get a job, when you get an opportunity, when you get uh, an opportunity to be in a place, go in there with a heart to serve. Go in there with a heart to serve. Just get in there and say, hey, I'm going to serve this, this business. I'm going to serve uh, my boss. I'm going to serve this company. If you go to Caris Bible College and you're from Faith Hill, man, you ought to be one of the first people there. Amen. Uh, when it's class, class starts at 9. You can't be from Faith Hill and you show up at 9.30. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll tell Lungi, I don't know you. I'll disown you. I don't know them. Man, you show up 30 minutes before, and watch this. Some of you are not going to like it, but I'm saying it to you because I really want you to do well. You are the last one to leave. And what are you doing? You're not, you know, in the parking lot, the last one to leave. Not in the parking lot prophesying. You are in the building picking up all the trash that people leave. You make sure that that building is left the way that you find it. And you serve your leaders. Amen. Amen? That's what you do. A lot of people won't serve because they're waiting for the day. And a lot of people have this deception, you know, I will serve when I'm the CEO. No, you're not becoming the CEO. Because <laughs> you serve your way to CEO. Amen. Amen. Watch what it says in 1 Timothy 3, 12 to 13. He says, let the deacons or the people who serve... Be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For they that use the office of a deacon well purchase themselves a good degree, a qualification. You purchase it through using the office of a deacon. The word deacon there is the Greek word dikonos, which means to serve. So you serve your way into qualification. Uh, and, and listen, serving does not diminish your, your, your image at all. It doesn't reduce who you... We were at uh, Grace in the Marketplace conference in Los Angeles, and I was outside, and, and you know, I was driving Auntie Pat's cars, Porsche, man, I, I was the top dog, and then I parked it, and, uh, and then when I walked into the building, we were expecting about 40, 45 people in there, and then when I... Uh, I stood outside, I realized we were a little bit short-staffed because everybody was working inside and there was no one helping people to park the cars. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to park the cars. So I started directing traffic, you know, everybody. And, and, and it, it, it was fascinating because the people, you know, parked their car and say, wait, is this Grace in the Marketplace? Yeah. Are you Tafara? Yeah, I am. Are you the one who's going to be speaking? Yeah, I am. Oh, great. It's going to be fun. Amen. And then they would relax. Yeah. And it didn't diminish the message. It didn't diminish the work that needed to be done. Man, whenever there's an opportunity to serve, take it. Amen. I could have complained. You see, the opposite of serving is complaining. Yeah. You see, yeah, here we go again. These Americans, man, they nobody want to do parking, you know. No, just step in and do what needs to be done. And I'm talking about a lifestyle of service. There's a basketball court. We go and play basketball sometimes on Wednesdays. And uh, you show up sometimes and there are chairs and there's, you know, water, uh, wet spots, um, you know, on the court. And my heart is just to serve. Hey, let's serve. Let's clean it up. Let's move uh, the chairs. And the one time, you know, after I did that uh, and we were playing basketball, uh, one young lady looked at me and said, man, I know you. And I said, no, you don't. She said, I know you. And then she went to her husband and she said, that's that guy on television. <laughs> and it made an impression on her that, you know, because she... 
you know, she's still old school. She thinks when you're on television, you must be someone. You must know something. You know, you, you, you are important, right? And she sees this guy. Man, I'm just cleaning up and moving chairs and I'm a part of the gang. And guess what? It ministered to her. And all of a sudden, her heart is open to hear the gospel. Now, I could have walked onto the basketball court with four armor bearers <laughs> and three bodyguards. And that wouldn't have made an impression and opened up her heart for me to preach the gospel. Serving will open people's hearts for us to preach the gospel. Number four, and the final one is, write this down if you're taking down notes, honor opens doors. And when you honor publicly, it results in influence privately. Now, when I'm talking about honor, I'm not talking about this stuff that you see out there where people are kneeling at pastors and, you know, they're crawling and they're doing all kinds of crazy things. That's not what I'm talking about. The word honor is a deep. Someone say deep. Come on. Say it like you're at church. It's a deep. It's a deep inward state of respect and commitment that expresses itself outwardly through service. Whatever you have honor for, Whatever you have a deep inward state of respect and commitment for, you will serve. The outward expression without this inward reality looks fake. So you could be doing all this stuff. If you don't have it on the inside of you, the outward becomes fake. This is why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't have a deep, state of respect and confidence for me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You remember? That's what Jesus said. So what we need to do if we're going to step from here to over here is to develop a deep state of respect and commitment for whatever the Lord calls us to do in whatever season we find ourselves. Man, do you honor the work that you do at work? Do you honor, you know, your bosses? Actually, those who learn to honor will have access, and access produces influence. When you have access with people and you honor them, they're going to put influence on your life. People never promote people that have dishonor. Can I get an amen? Uh, I'm going to end with this story. Uh, way back in 2014, we were doing a divine healing training at uh, Uten Church uh, out in uh, Randbeck, and uh, it was with Mark Ellis and Kevin Peterson, and the pastor there was Craig Smee. He was the pastor of the church, and uh, Craig has become a good friend, and so uh, while we were doing this divine healing training, I saw Craig's daughter walk out with a Caris Bible College uh, t-shirt, so he, she walked out with a Caris Bible College t-shirt, so I asked Craig, hey, what's going on? Do you know about Caris? He said, yeah, we're running Caris right here at this church. And so my wife and I and Pastor Henry, remember, we signed up on that same day. And so we started going there to do Caris Bible College every Sunday night, you remember? And you were pregnant at the time. And uh, we would go there and do two hours, three hours actually. We would go at five and then would be done by about half past eight, nine. And so uh, what they would do is they would play two videos for us. Craig would uh, play uh, videos for us. And then at the end of the video, you would sit us around uh, in a circle, and then he would ask questions, uh, you know, what did you learn? And so, without fail, 
uh, there was this woman, you remember? There was this woman. Every time Craig would ask, what, you know, what did you learn? She would start saying, yeah, you know, I don't agree with this. I, don't. I mean, she would start criticizing the people. It doesn't matter who's teaching, okay? She would start criticizing and poking holes in there. And man, I'm sitting there thinking, these people didn't come to your school. You were the one who came to their school. I'm just, you know, thinking. And uh, 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 the, the, the opposite of that was Craig's me honored the school. He, I mean, Craig honored the school so much that he would drive 19 hours to Heidelberg. He had been doing it for over 10 years without fail. He would drive to Heidelberg every year. Without skipping a year, he would drive to Heidelberg for the open week. You know, they would have the open week, and he would get a bunch of people, Dillian and them, they would drive to, and he would say, guys, there's something going on here. He honored, he had a deep state of respect and commitment for that work. And this woman didn't have this. So we see two people in the same environment, they were same color, uh, who are exposed to the same thing. And uh, afterwards, you know, Craig's me, the Lord began to open up doors for him because what you honor will open doors for you. So the Lord began to open up Craig, uh, doors for Craig's me. And to cut the long story short, Craig is now based in Oklahoma, uh, in Durant, Oklahoma, and he's pastoring a church of over 700 people. That's pastored by, that, that's, you know, started by one of the tutors that this woman was criticizing and Craig was honoring. Now, this woman is still on Facebook criticizing. <laughs> still stuck. She, she, ain't, she ain't quitting. She hasn't learned. <laughs> she hasn't learned. She's still criticizing. And Craig, I mean, go look him up. Craig Smee, he's a good friend of ours. He's flying. He's doing well. They just got their green cards last month. They're doing really well. The Lord is opening up. In fact, the conference, the Jubilee conference that they did last month, he was one of the speakers with Dwayne Sheriff and Andrew Womack and Jacob Sheriff. He was, Craig Smee was on there also preaching with them, top dogs. How did you get there? He got there by developing, someone say develop, a deep state of respect and commitment for something that is before you. Man, I'm telling you, when you do that, life can't stop you. Did that bless you? Why don't you stand on your feet? I'm going to get my wife to come and pray, and we'll be out of here. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we give God a big shout of praise? Because that was an awesome word, right? Come on, we can do better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Man, that was a good word. Thank you, Pastor Tafara. Jesus, amen. And the second group of people that I want to pray for is, you know, if you have sickness in your body, you know, maybe you came here today and you're not feeling well, you've got pain in your body, you know, we want to pray for that, amen, because healing is the children's bread. Healing is God's perfect will for you. You don't have to leave this place sick. You know, you don't have to leave this place depressed. You don't have to leave this place in pain. And so if you've got sickness, if you've got pain in your body, yet yeah, many, if you've got, if you've come here and you've got anxiety, you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed, we want to pray for you today. Don't leave this place sick. You know, don't leave this place feeling anxious or depressed, okay? So again, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. If, you, if you're that person, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand because we're going to pray for you this morning. We're going to pray for you this morning. Amen. 
You know, scripture says Jesus bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows, he carried our sicknesses. And the scripture also says by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. And so we don't have to leave with the sickness today. Okay, so we're going to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that healing is the children's bread. Father, we thank you that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he bore all of our sicknesses. He bore all of our griefs. He bore all of our pain. He bore every single ounce of depression and anxiety and so today today we come against sickness in these bodies we come against disease in these bodies we come against pain in these bodies and we say go in the name of Jesus right now we speak healing from the top of the heads of those who've put up their hands all the way to the soles of their feet we rebuke cancer in the name of Jesus we rebuke depression in the name of Jesus we rebuke anxiety in the name of Jesus by by Jesus' stripes, by the stripes that wounded Jesus, we say these bodies are healed right now in the name of Jesus. We speak to every organ, we speak to every tissue, we speak to every red blood cell in the name of Jesus and we command it. In fact, we demand for it to function in the perfection to which God created them to function and we refuse for any more malfunction in these bodies. In in the name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus and right now we cast all worries we cast all stresses we cast all anxieties onto Jesus our beast of burden come on cast all your worries cast all of your stresses and anxieties onto Jesus because he cares for you and I just speak peace I just speak a supernatural peace that passes all understanding. Peace, 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 peace right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We come against insomnia. We come against any restlessness in the night season. From today it ends. From tonight there shall be sweet sleep. Sweet sleep is what we speak. Sweet sleep and no other way. In the name of Jesus. Come on, someone say amen. Come on, someone say I receive. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.